With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ready to go the extra mile in a Volvo mild hybrid SUV this summer? No plug-in required. Whether you go to the mountains this summer, the ocean, or somewhere in between. Volvo Mild Hybrid Technology adds to a more refined driving experience so you can summer safely. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com. To celebrate the end of a, let's face it, terrible run of games post-lockdown, Beer52 are offering all FYP listeners eight free craft beers for putting up with the last eight games. One for every terrible result. All you need to do is go to beer52.com forward slash FYP and cover just £5.95 for the postage. Whether you're relaxing in the garden during post-season, having a barbecue or refreshing Palace Twitter every five minutes waiting for transfer news, Beer52 and FYP have got you sorted. Beer 52 is the world's most popular beer craft discovery club with over 150,000 members that they send a brand new case to every month. Each month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included beer from South Africa, home of KG, Korea, home of Chungi, the USA, home of Joe Van Karofsky, and all over Europe. Too many to mention. But as an independent British company, Beer 52 are also passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply order the light option and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. And don't worry, because like Dave Bassett, after being appointed Palace Manager in 1984, you can change your mind and pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to beer52.com forward slash FYP to get your first case of eight beers for $5.95. That's the word beer and the number 52.com forward slash FYP. Right. On with the podcast. Uh, you. Ha. Oh, that's where it's at. That's where it's at. Hardy. Hello and welcome to Hardy's Hot Pants, the nostalgic spin-off podcast from the five-year plan. The season has ended, but we have not. We're back with some nostalgic goodness. Today, it's own goals, and I can't wait to discuss them with Richard Foster. Hello to you. Good evening. <laughs> it's 11.46 oh, is in the it? morning. Oh, sorry, I'm on, a, I'm on a different time zone. I'm in northwest London. We're on a different time zone. Uh, it's good to have you on. Um, fresh from the playoffs finishing recently. You're. Uh, I feel like you in the playoffs is like Michael Bublé in Christmas. Um, yeah, no, I, I very much feel the same way. Um Michael Bublé, massive fan, obviously, of his. I'm not. Um, and I did actually go to a pub to watch the playoff final. And the pub is called mm-hmm. The Griffin. And it's the one on the corner of Griffin Park. So I was amongst Brentford fans. Um, and if you want to read about it, it's in The Guardian. Uh, it was an amazing experience. And obviously, it was quite sad because you're amongst... Brentford fans who were trying to go up for the nth time through the playoffs 
and failing yet again. But having said that, they were they were actually quite philosophical. I was imagining if I was in their position, I'd mm. be crying. But they all just shrugged their shoulders and went, oh, that's all right. We'll, we'll move on. I think they're quite used to not going up via the playoffs at this point. Well, they, they as we know, they've now got the record. They've tried to go up in the playoffs nine times and have never done it. It actually makes our record look very, very good through the playoffs because it is actually quite mm. good. Um, and I would advise Ooh. reading that piece. I have read it. It is very good. So do check it out. Jesse Boyce, another fan of the playoffs, is also here. How are you doing? Hey, Dean JD. I know a pub called The Griffin, but that's a story for another day. Oh. <laughs> that, that's the late night Jesse's podcast. Jesse's pub stories. <laughs> <laughs> story for another uh, pod. Yes. Well, lads, we're here today to talk about own goals for and against Palace. But before we do that, we're going to read an article from The Athletic on the other end of the pitch, scoring goals. Because, of course, transfer season has started and Palace have been linked with various uh, players. And this week's article by Matt Woosnam is called Would Edward or Watkins... A Brentford connection there, solve Palace's striker problem. And I don't need to tell you that The Athletic are a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage of a team that's got a very good record in the playoffs. They're a subscription-based website and app. They're completely app-free, ad-free, sorry. No ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. And you can still get a seven-day free trial and 50% off your yearly subscription if you go and sign up at theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP. Uh, now, Richard, um, obviously, every time transfer season rolls around, we're linked with various players. Um, but everyone knows now in the club and out that strikers is uh, a very key area for us. And that's what this article talks about here. And particularly these two strikers, uh, Edward and Watkins. Uh, and Matt Woosnam has written this article uh, during it says, to the extent that Palace will look towards Celtic striker Odson Edouard or Brentford's Ollie Watkins to fill the gap. Neither player will come cheap, but Palace are in a more financial situation uh, than some, a more secure financial situation, having sold Aaron Wambasaka for £50 million and subsequently taken out a loan to guide them through this challenging financial period. Of course, COVID-19 has brought everything crashing down. That's not to say that there'll be cash freely flung about. And whoever takes their fancy, any moves will be considered and are likely to blend youth and experience. Should Brentford achieve promotion via the championship playoffs, we now know they haven't, then any prospective deal for Watkins might be dead before it even begins. And Edouard's price tag will also surely skyrocket if he continues to impress in the SPL, having netted a hat-trick against Hamilton in his league's uh, his side's league opener on Sunday. Um, you know Brentford quite well, Richard. What are Palace's chances now of getting Ollie Watkins now they haven't gone up? And do you think he would be a good option for Palace and could make that step up? Uh, Okay, I'll handle these questions one by one. So, (laughs) yes, we could get Watkins. Uh, um, Brentford's model uh, is quite interesting. And I actually think they're a very progressive club and they're, they're actually a really nice club. But what they do is they... They do sell players. So, for example, before the start of the season just gone, they sell Mope to Brighton. Mope was their centre-forward. He scored a lot of goals for them in the season. Watkins actually was a winger who was converted into a centre-forward. And he did quite well because he scored 26 goals. That's only five fewer than we did in the whole season. Just pointing this out. I I, I don't want to go on about it. But... um, when I've watched, uh, say, uh, I've been to Brentford's training ground a couple of times and 
I just think the setup is very professional. I've seen Watkins in action. He is a good player. He's definitely got something. He works hard, which Roy will like because he yeah. likes. He doesn't like the classic centre forward who strolls around and only gets excited if it's near the penalty area. He tracks back. He he's got a good eye for goal. Clearly, he's a good player, and I would be very, very happy to see him. Edward, obviously, he's banging the goals in for Celtic. But quite frankly, Jim, you could bang in the goals for Celtic because. <laughs> The level of the premiership in Scotland is not very high. I'm sorry to say this. I, I don't want to upset any Scots, particularly my wife, but it's really not great. And During the Fringe last year, I went to a uh, Hearts versus St Mirren game, I think. Yeah. And it was nil-nil, and it was possibly the worst game I've ever seen in my life. Great atmosphere, great day out. Yeah, uh, yeah. What's, what's Hearts Ground called? Time, Time Castle. Castle. Time Castle, yeah. But um, wasn't great. Yeah, I've never actually... I've been to Scotland thousands of times because of my in-laws. I've never been to watch a game, and I'm not really that tempted because the idea of going <laughs> to watch St. Johnson against Kilmarnock doesn't Old really... Old Firm Derby would be good, though, wouldn't it? Old Firm. Yeah, good. I mean, my, my one of my brother-in-law is actually a Celtic fan, and he keeps promising to take me. My other brother-in-law lives near Wraith Rovers. Um, Starks Park is a ground I quite like to go to, but I just don't think I'd be interested in the football particularly because Wraith Rovers aren't great. Um, but anyway, back to Edward. I think he is he's clearly, again, a very good player, but I just, I just like the cut of Watkins' jib. I think he would fit into Hodgson's model. He would fit into the club. And I, I just think I quite like him. So, Jesse, obviously, now that we've lost um, all our Scottish listeners as well on the podcast. Sorry about that. I know there's a huge <laughs> Scottish community out there. Um, I love Scotland, by the way. I mean, Edinburgh is an unbelievably beautiful city, so I'd definitely recommend anyone to go there. And you're in the Fringe, which you can't do this year. It would be now. Actually, this pod wouldn't be happening because I, oh, I wouldn't be in Edinburgh. Never mind. <laughs> um, Jesse, uh, obviously, aside from those two players, and that's quite promising, actually what um, Richard's saying there on, on Ollie Watkins. And I think he would, it does feel like he fits kind of the Palace mould. It's interesting you say he was a winger converted to a striker because that reminds me of someone else, a, a certain number nine for Palace this season, who was also yeah. a winger converted to a striker and did very well. Also, Jesse, there's um, Eze from QPR, another player we're linked with, another player who feels like sort of quite palace in his in his approach. How likely are we, are we to get these players or are they just going to end up at West Ham like they always seem to? <laughs> it's already got that kind of feeling about it, hasn't it? It looks like we've put in a bid or two, and it depends on who you believe on Twitter. Um, it looks like we've been sniffing around him, and obviously Brentford's sort of fresh failure to get promoted means the Sharks are circling there. So I'm sure we won't we won't be alone in trying to sort of take out and the flesh. Um, I, I agree with you, Jim. From what I've seen of Easy. He really looks like a Palace player, some swashbuckling kind of marauding forward, yeah. who's slightly direct, which is I think what we've been missing a little bit over recent years. Like at the moment, Schluck looks our most incisive forward-facing player. Yeah. He does not muck about and shoots on sight. You know, we saw that with the goal that he put away with his right foot um, against Spurs. So. I think there is a, there's a huge appetite for a player like Easy at Palace. You know, we've never really replaced Balassi and mm. the sort of chaos factor that he gave us. So I'm well behind that with the limited knowledge that I have. Um, I think I said on the last pod uh, in our final few sort of 
summarizations of the season that in terms of what we were expecting this season, it's going to be slightly more of the same, isn't it? We're, we're, as long as we keep Gaeta and keep him fit, stay compact and kind of um, solid at the back. But we just need to add an injection of um, sort of firepower somewhere in the front line because I can't see AU performing at this level that he's done this season again. Benteke is still, you know, misfiring and I'll be amazed if he starts the season with us again. Uh, and Zaha, he knows what's going to happen there. So we, we are in dire need of someone in and around these players you're mentioning. But I don't know much about Watkins other than what I've heard. Is How direct would you say he is, Rich? Yeah, no, he, he's good with his back to goal. He's one of those players who just takes shots early. If you if you look a little, little, you know, you look him up on YouTube, as we all do, a lot of his goals he takes quite early, which I like, the, the strikers who do that, and they take the yeah. opportunity. On Eze, actually, I saw him play live because, strangely, I went to QPR Sheffield Wednesday, even though it was behind closed doors, and... Um, Apart from the fact QPR were absolutely woeful, they got hammered three nil, and Barry Bannon ran the game. <laughs> Good player, which is a great player, but you know he's not the quickest. But he absolutely, you know, he picked the ball up every time. He just passed, 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 and ran it. Eze was pretty poor. He didn't look interested. He reminded me a little bit of um, an off-colour Wilf in that he obviously has skill. He scored a fantastic goal for QPR at West Brom, if you remember, on the last game of the season where he just picked it up and walloped it. And I know a few QPR fans because obviously it's the nearest ground to where I live, so a lot of the locals. And they do rate him. It's just, it's that attitude thing. But I think he would definitely be an addition. I'm not sure he's absolutely ready to go straight into the Premier League. And the great news is, where was he born, Jim? I'm going to guess South London somewhere. Greenwich. There you go. So, and also, you know, I'm, I'm already thinking of the chance, you know, how are we going to get a chance for Eze? I, I don't know, but I'm sure we'll work on it. I'm sure you, Jim, you'll probably come up with some take that thing and we'll be able to fit it in. Well, I just, you know, if he scores on at the weekend, is Eze like Sunday morning, isn't it? Oh, you see, he's already got it. He's already got it. Didn't that, didn't that, That's yeah, why that this guy earned the big bucks. <laughs> that was me. There's plenty of easy E type uh, yeah. references. I think that Easy Easy E has an album or, or was it a track called Easy Does It? <laughs> there yeah. we go. Yeah. 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 So he, he's got to join now. He has to join, join because we just need these chant and headline <laughs> opportunities. Well, we'll see what happens. We but, know that Palace but have... West Ham's recruitment policy, I know what they don't even need a recruitment department because all they do is they wait for us to make a bid <laughs> and they go, okay, well, we'll outbid them and they're bang. What we need, they don't what need, we need a recruitment. midday kickoff on a Sunday against Brighton, where Easy scores <laughs> opening play, so we can sing Easy like Sunday morning. <laughs> so look, it's already it's, happening. Yeah, well, we'll see what happens. We know that Palace, as mentioned in this article from Matt Palace, have had initial inquiries not back. I think they might have made a bid as well, but they're going to have to come back with a bit more money. Yeah, we made a bid of twelve million, I believe, and they want twenty. So we'll probably offer twelve point three. <laughs> And then West Ham will come in and offer eighty million and take him. You hope that my prediction. West Ham struggles over the last couple of years. You know, despite spending hundreds of millions, will make players think twice about joining them. And actually, that as Jesse said, we have everything ready 
for some attacking players. We've got a good goalkeeper mm. if we keep him. We've got a good defence. We're packed with defensive midfielders. We just need a bit of excitement up front. And these names we're linked with, Eze and Watkins, they're exciting players. And I think they're making Palace fans feel excited again for the season if they come. And that's just what we've lacked. We haven't lacked, yeah. you know, compactness or defensive, you know, uh, organisation. We've just lacked a bit of excitement in the last couple of seasons. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but anyway, if you want to read that article uh, and plenty more like it, and in fact, it was the Athletics' f- one-year anniversary, uh, one-year birthday this week. So happy birthday to them. Uh, cool. You can go to the athletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, get a seven-day free trial and receive 50% off your yearly subscription. After the break, we're talking own goals. Shut up, baby! Let me see where you're coming from. Shut up, baby! Let me see When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insight said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabine of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Welcome back to Pardew's Hot Pants, the FYP nostalgic spin-off pod series with me, Jim Daly, Jesse Boyce and Richard Foster. And today's episode is all about own goals. We love an own goal, especially if it wraps up the three points. I'm going to come on to own goals that have won Palace points, but in this part, we're going to talk about spectacular own goals that Palace have scored for the opposition. Um, Jesse, I know you've been doing a lot of research on this. Uh, talk us through some that you've uh, picked out. Well, own goals are the only thing that my wife enjoys about football, Jim. <laughs> Brilliant. When I come back from a game at Sawhurst, she she would ask me if there was any own goals. Uh, <laughs> I can see why though they are they are inherently quite an enjoyable thing. Football go it's literally the the most wrong thing that can happen in football. She's yeah. other than a sort of funny red card or something, but she um she's the sort of content she likes. You know, the sort of thing makes her laugh on YouTube. So she sort of associates own goals with YouTube content, I think. And um, so when, when it's on, on match of the day, there's an own goal, she will crack up and ask me to rewind it and play it again. Fantastic. So, um, sometimes an own goal can, can uh, help curry me some good favour if I return from Selhurst a bit late. <laughs> I'm going I'm to remember that. I'm going to use that next time. So why are you three and a half hours late and drunk? Oh, it's own goals, There darling. were so many own, own goals. goals. <laughs> yeah. laughing all the way home. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's, 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 a, it's a good subject, isn't it? Oggies, the old Oggy. Um, and I think having looked into it, I think we do have a fair share for it again. Before you go on, before you go on, what's your, what is your favourite way to refer to them? Is it Oggy or OGs? Well, OGs is a great term reserved for, you know, as we've been using, original glazier. Or, uh, <laughs> 
you know, OG just easily confused with um, something something highly original. So, I but I I I have obviously um, children, and my nineteen year old son, who's obviously a Palace fan, he he says OG means original gangster. That's right. Apparently, that's what the youth. I of prefer today original Glazier. I, I so do I. Obviously, mm-hmm. well, yeah. Obviously, the original OG is original gangster. But yeah, so I, I'm I'd rather not confuse with that great little act. No. I'd rather just go with the old, with classic Oggy. I like Oggy. It, it 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 reminds me of that. I think it's an Australian rugby chant. Oggy, 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 Oi, Oi, Oi. So it does it does make me think about that. But um, I think it's more fun to say. Oggy's just it's a, it's just classic sort of football parlance, isn't it? If you would if you weren't a football fan, you would have absolutely no idea what Oggy meant. You'd, you'd know what goal meant. You'd know what goal kick meant. You'd know what penalty meant. Yeah. If someone says Oggy, you'd be like, what the hell is that? So I think yeah. for that reason. Schoolboy Oggy. Schoolboy Oggy, exactly. What, exactly. So what are we going for first, Jim? For or against? So against. Okay. So own goals that we've scored. So goals that, own goals that we've scored against. Athletes. We've conceded. No conceded, goal, right? sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we've got a little roll call here, haven't we? So, I think most recently, Gaeta's slip up against Sheffield yes. United this season was, was a bit of a shame, wasn't it? Because it tarnished his otherwise bulletproof reputation. Yeah. Um, but because he's had such amazing form leading up to that, no one thought twice about it. So, that's just the most recent one that came to mind. Then Goal- Goalkeeper Oggies are actually quite rare, aren't they? They don't happen that often. You, you have to, either like he's done, palmed it in from a corner... Or one of those incredibly unlucky ones where they've gone to dive, it's hit the crossbar, hit them on the back of the head. um, I mean, the odds of that happening are so slim. I actually think a goalkeeper, Oggy, I think is actually quite something to be cherished because they don't happen very often. So I quite enjoy a goalkeeper, Oggy. I wasn't cherishing Gators against Sheffield United, I can tell you that. Yeah, usually the goalkeeper, Oggy, is attributed when it hits the woodwork, then hits them and then goes... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which is obviously nothing they can do about that. But I will... You say that, Jim, but I'm going to attribute... This might be controversial, but I'm going to attribute the goal that went through Wayne Hennessy's legs at Villa as an Oggy simply because it was so bad. (laughs) We we were there. We sat together, didn't we, in that game? I, I was there as well. In fact, Jim, I think I said hello to you because it was a, an evening game, wasn't yeah. it? And Villa had been absolutely terrible. Yeah. I mean, awful, awful, awful. And we travelled up there thinking, oh, well, I, I remember meeting a Villa fan in the pub beforehand and he was saying, well, if you don't win two or three nil, there's something wrong with you. And we were great at the start. We started really well. I think Wilf hit the post and then it just drifted and that own goal. And then they replayed it about a hundred times on the screen. You're going, really? It was terrible. I agree. That that should have been officially an own yeah, goal. Abysmal performance. It was so awful. And it was a really cold evening. It was so cold. Yeah. At the train station afterwards, and you had to wait an hour for the train just to recycle that mem- that flashback of that going through his legs over and over. So it wasn't really an Oggy, but in my mind, I, it, the takeaway is that it was because it's just unforgivable. Um, so that was that one. Then I thought, do you remember Martin Kelly put one in against Cardiff away last year? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. When when we were really hoping Cardiff would win because it would put Brighton under pressure. That's right. He was safe, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, Bakunas yeah. whipped it in and Kelly put it past Gaeta. 
Yes, yeah, yeah. And then I've got another one for you. It was um, Delaney at Old Trafford. I think. Oh. It was 2016, I think. Um, another OG against Baroni, which uh, is a theme that will repeat itself in a moment. Right? When you... <laughs> that was the last game before the cup final. Um, I don't know the final score on that one, but it... no, that was wasn't that the two nil yeah, right at the end. That sounds about right. But yeah, it was uh, it was Darmian to Delaney. <laughs> Very good. Very good. <laughs> See that. We'll nugget for you, Rich. Put that in your next book. I've got it. I'm writing it down, Jesse. Oh, hold on. There we go. Own goal nuggets, Darmian to Damian. Yeah. Okay. We're... That's a chapter. Yeah. So I think we've got the YouTube link to that one, which Jim's going to put on the uh, FYP Twitter thread after this goes live. So uh, yeah, we'll link to all the ones we can. Yeah. It's well worth seeing. It's so sweetly struck. It's uh, remarkable. So mine, mine aren't all headline own goals. Are they just sort of? The sort of filler building up to you guys' main events. Well, <laughs> Richard, let's see what ones, uh, what own goals have you got? Well, obviously, I, I do also have Gators because, as Jesse pointed out, it was just such a a rarity because he's been so good, and it it just it was. I, I remember watching and thinking, how's that actually happened? Because it was quite a good in swinging corner, and let's face it. We don't know anything about scoring from corners because we've only scored two from 183 <laughs> this season. Just a fact there. Um, but it, the way he sort of just apologetically just let it sort of dribble, it was just weird. And I just shook my head. And I remember looking at my son and the guy I go with and saying, this isn't happening, is it? Um, but we don't need to dwell on that. PVA scored an own goal against Tottenham it wasn't really his fault this season. Um, but you want a nugget, I'll give you a nugget. <laughs> Question, boys, how many own goals have Palace conceded in their Premier League history? Well, I don't know, but I, um, no, I'll say that. That's all our seasons, so not just our current run, going all the way back to the first ever. Well, we've had what? So this season coming will be our... 15th season, 14th season, maybe 13th season. No, 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 not in the Premier League. It's this is our we're 11 seasons wow. in because we had four seasons where we were in for one season, fell out immediately, yeah. and we're currently this is our seventh consecutive season. So if you concede maybe one or two a season from so this is too logical, Jim. I'm gonna say 17 and goals. That is exactly right, is it? Yeah. Oh, God. Wow. Daily. Brilliant. He knows his own goals, yeah. apparently. Yeah, 17, which is quite a low rate, if you think about it. As you say, I think when you look at it, most um, teams concede about two a season. So, by rights, you know, we should be on about 20-odd. So, um, you know, the, our worst season... I don't know if you remember this, was 2015-16. We conceded four own goals that season. Ooh. So that was Pardews. That was the cup final year. But if you ask me to remember any of them, I'm struggling a little bit. We probably conceded one against Swansea because we conceded about 150 goals. Well, Damo would have been one of them, wouldn't he? But um, I feel like Scott, that, Scott, yeah. Dan, Scott Dan has scored a couple of own goals for us. Scott Dan's actually, the, as Jesse pointed out earlier in our chat, He's our top own goal scorer in the Premier League. Do you know how many he scored? 
Ah, but this is includes Blackburn, another game. Other, he scored five own goals in his whole career. Yeah, he scored five own goals in the Premier League. Yeah, but not all for Palace. A couple of Birmingham, probably Blackburn as well. I think I, I'm a bit worried that OG will be ranked about fifth on our top scorers of all time. you're actually not far away there because Wolf's number one at the moment on 35 so yeah OG's definitely going to be in the top 10 (laughs) Um, okay so I come on to some of my own goals Um, go on because uh, what we're doing here, lads, is we are teasing the inevitable. Because I think everyone, we everyone we, listening, we have avoided the big one. Everyone listening knows exactly what the greatest own goal that Palace have scored is. And before we come on to that, I'm just going to mention um, a few more. So I've been doing a bit of research, looking around, because I don't massively remember that many own goals. I think I remember own goals that, that have been scored for us more than against yeah. us. Um, mm-hmm. but I've done a bit of research and let's pick out a few here. And I'm sure there'll be people listening at home now sort of screaming out the answer. So uh, Hayden Mullin scored one against Forrest, apparently, uh, which would have been, what, 10 years ago? Or oh, longer than that, 10, 20 years ago, maybe. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. Mullins, I don't remember him scoring an own goal. I remember him being very casual at the back. So actually, to be honest, that does sound like it might happen. Uh, Richard Shaw apparently holds the record for the quickest own goal, which was against Southampton in 1990. After 28 really? seconds from kickoff, he passed it back to Nigel Martin, and it was struck too firmly, and uh, Big Nigel couldn't stop it going in the net. Was that home or away, Jim? Do you know? I don't know. November 1990, know. apparently. Um, so I'm sure that hasn't been beaten for quickest own goal. Jeff Hopkins scored one against Millwall, apparently, and Eddie McGoldrick got one at Anfield, and we lost there three nil, uh, apparently. I'm now remembering another own goal that we've conceded. Yeah, and it's a playoff own goal. Oh, I'd have thought you'd have, you'd have opened with this. Well, I should have done, shouldn't I? Because obviously, uh, I'm, my mind's gone. So when we played Swindon. In the semi-finals in 1989, we lost. I was there. We lost 1-0 at the county ground, courtesy of a known goal from which player? Jim and Jesse, over to you. Um, Pods? Andy Gray? No. Uh, Phil Barber? No, he was a centre-back. And Thorne? Ninja? Who? Thorne? No, not Ninja. Do you remember Hopkins? Oh, yeah. Just him. just mentioned him, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. well, that's oh, why I suddenly thought of it. Yeah. Ah, there you go. That was, that was a speciality for scoring own goals. So that's, I think, the only goal we've ever conceded in the playoffs. I'm throwing it out there. I'm throwing it out there. I've got a new edition of the book coming out. That's going to be the number one thing. <laughs> I'm sure no one's going to challenge you on that. No, I bloody hope not. <laughs> so obviously, I mean, these are all great own goals, and uh, <laughs> it's interesting to sort of pick, pick these ones out and uh, remember them, but... The, the best own goal that Palace have ever scored, Jesse, and I think it possibly might go down as the best own goal that anyone's ever scored, is, of course, Tony Popovich away at Portsmouth in the Premier League 2004-2005 season. It's by Popovich's intervention. Still not clear, though. Here's Quasi. Now Steve Stone with a chance to cross. Flick goalwards. It's an own goal from Popovich. An own goal that might just see off Crystal Palace's hope for the afternoon. They just couldn't get it away, Crystal Palace. 
And when it came out to Stone, he had the chance to shape and consider his cross. And what about that for a finish? Tony Popovich in a right old mess. Before I ask you your memories on it, I want to tell you my memory from that night, which was that I went to Fratton Park. I was at university in Southampton. I got the train down there. Um, I sold some copies of FYP, which would have been uh, issue three, maybe, issue three or four, outside the ground. But because I couldn't, I was a poor student and couldn't afford to go in the ground, once the game kicked off, I packed up my bags and I went back to Southampton. So I was there for the game, you know, for the own goal. I never actually got to go in and witness it, which is Really? That's amazing. I was just too poor. I was a poor student. I couldn't afford to go in. But surely you got given money for FYP and you would have taken a little bit of cash. Needed it for the printers. No, you're too honest. It wasn't season. the money-spinning business that it's become today, Richard, unfortunately, <laughs> it's back then. Um, yeah. Jesse, what was your memory of that own goal? Because the way he flicks it in, sort of behind his head, is just absolutely spectacular. It starts with a bit of flair as well. It's Nigel Quasi back heel. Down, down to... <laughs> Not something you hear very often. Quasi no. <laughs> back heel down to Steve Stone, whips it in, and then another back heel from Popper into the corner. With a, full, a familiar looking Spironi with a mullet looking forlorn. Um, it always looks forlorn when he had his mullet. I don't associate him looking very happy ever with that long hair. Because um, it was always tough times for him. Um, but yeah, it was just spectacular, wasn't it? Just sort of, sort of scissor back heel into the corner. Well, I went to uni in Portsmouth, so I, I graduated several years before that goal. So I used to go to Pompey Palace whenever I was down there. I also went to Paul Walsh's testimonial at Fratton Park when Gazza played. Uh, Gazza and Chris Evans and Robbie Williams up front. That was a, that was a spot. Chris Evans, what, the DJ? Yeah, playing football <laughs> with Gazza mm. and Robbie Williams. Strange day. Well, uh, <laughs> always strange memories from Fratton Park, but this has got to go down there as... Uh, I think it's, if you look at on YouTube, its title is "Most Beautiful Own Goal Ever." Well, it is the thing is, Richard. Like I, I've watched it numerous times. Um, I, remember, I remember at the time it happening, being incredibly embarrassed as a Palace fan that we'd scored this own goal. And of course, as I've got older, I've become to appreciate, as Jesse says, the beauty of it. What is going through Popper's head as that is going in? Because no, you just as a defender. Surely, number one rule is if you can get a boot on it and clear it, great. If you can't, don't stick your leg out because you, you you're not under control. But to try and back heel it, it's just a bizarre thing to do in your own box. I can't quite work out what he was thinking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's almost balletic in its uh, grace because he sort of twists in the air, as you say. I'm a, I was a centre back by trade, and I still can't quite work out what he's doing. <laughs> My theory is because he was Australian, he got a bit confused. And he was, you know, thinking, oh, am I down under? Am I here? Am I there? And that he, he then did that extraordinary way of doing things. And, and I like Jesse's, um, like Jesse's connection, the fact that forlorn Julian Speroni was connected to his hair. Because <laughs> I do remember the chant. I remember very clearly going to, uh, actually it was QPR by coincidence, yeah. uh, QPR yeah. friendly. And I took my whole family to it. Uh, including my middle daughter, who faced the other way because she was reading a book and didn't actually look at the game at all. And there were, the chant was along the lines of, you know, he's got a uh, haircut, he's going to keep us up. Yeah, I remember that. that one. Um, 
but it's it is you've got to look at it again to appreciate how brilliant and shit it is at the same time it, it is an incredible combination you also look at the expression on the players not only julian but others there's a lot of open mouths there's a lot of shaking your heads and just going how did he do that how did he do that and he did it so popovich will always be known for that goal as jesse said i think it's probably in the top five Premier League own goals ever. It's probably the most searched on YouTube. And that's great. As you say, it was embarrassing at the time. Everyone was going, oh, look at your club conceding comical own goals. You're going to go down. And, of course, the end of that season was the famous uh, event. Well, it was, I mean, what saved it was that it made the score 3-1. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't actually, you know, it it didn't, like, seal the points or throw away a point for us. Um, And I think it's a bit unfair that to anyone outside Palace, that's probably all that Popovich and outside Australia, yeah. all that Popovich is known for. When, of course, we know that he was an incredibly competent defender for us and for various other clubs and, you know, played at the World Cup. Was the first Palace player, I think, to play at a World Cup for um, for Australia as well. So yeah. it's a shame that people will remember him for that. But it was just a time when Palace, you know, we, now Palace are a very competent mid-table club and really... The, People don't really take the piss out of Palace in the way they used to. But back then, when it was one season up, one season down, yeah. Palace were ripe for piss-taking. And this just was the cherry on top of the piss-taking cake, a ridiculous own goal. It really fed into the narrative of Palace being terrible. Um, but as you say, Richard, it was both fantastic and terrible at the same time. Um, so that is our vote. I mean, you can't even vote for anything else no. for the best slash worst own goal that Palace have conceded. After the break, we're going to pick the best own goal that Palace have scored. Let me see where you're coming from. Stand up, baby. Let me see. Hey, me. Good God. Welcome back to Pardew's Hot Pants, the nostalgic spin-off hey. series from FYP. Uh, and we're talking own goals today. We've gone through the best slash worst own goals that Palace have conceded. But now, Richard, we get to talk about that brilliant moment when an opposition player scores a goal for Palace and the crowd cheer and glad Lover is played on the tannoy and then normally Mike at Sellhurst running the tannoy says the most beautiful thing and that goal scorer was own goal. Own? And everyone goes, goal! I, don't, I remember as a kid when they started doing that it would have been around 99, 2000 and I just thought, that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard at a football stadium. Um, so why don't you pick out a couple of your favourite own goals that Palace have scored? Well, I'm going to leave, for me, the best one till later. Because, we, you know, we need to build up, don't we? Mm. Um, actually, I'm going to choose as the most topical one. So, again, I like quiz questions, as you know. Jim and Jesse, what was the last own goal that was scored on our behalf? Um, this season. Season, season just, just gone. gone. Yeah, yeah, the season just gone. It was quite a crucial own goal because it gained us a point. Oh, was it a Selhurst? Nope. I can't think of any. <laughs> 
Oh. I'll give you a clue. No. I'll give you a clue. Yeah. It was, you know, we I said earlier in the pod that we only scored two goals from corners this season out of 185. It's Fernandinho. Correct. Oh. Jesse's got it because Tosin scored from a corner. Remember, to put us 1-0 up. Wickham forced it. And then Aguero scored twice in the space of about three minutes to look like they'd wrapped it up. And then guess what? Fernandinho just did us a little favour and popped it in for us. And that was a lovely... That goal came from that James McCarthy tackle in midfield. Uh, yes, and then gave it to Will right. for Wilf actually sort of powered through the defence and squared it. That was a really nice goal. And Connor Wickham was going to put it in. Yeah. But obviously as a striker... A Palace striker, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so Fernandinho thought, oh, we better get this in, otherwise they're going to embarrass themselves. And um, two will draw at the Etihad. Decent. Not bad. You know, we haven't been we haven't been beaten at the Etihad now for three seasons, I'll point out. So, you know, previous to that it was 3-2. Right. Um, so that was an own goal that I think is was important because, you know, you don't want to lose a game like that, having done so well and been 1-0 ahead for quite a long time and then Aguero scores a couple. And I remember being a bit depressed and listening to the radio uh, at the time. And then they suddenly went back to the Etihad, you know, because it wasn't the main game. And I thought, oh, here we go, 3-1, Aguero hat-trick. And they said, you won't believe what's happened. Ding, dang, dong, Fernandinho. So I, I, that's what I, I quite enjoyed that, although I didn't see it live. Um and and the, that's the thing about own goals. You don't need to see them live. As you pointed out, Jim, you didn't see Popovich's live. Yeah. But it's still there, isn't it? It's impressed in your head. Yeah. And and I think that's the great thing about one of the great things about modern football. There's some really bad things about modern football. You will never miss a goal. You will never miss a goal because they're all recorded and ready for you. Whereas if we go all the way back, and I'm going to tell you now about my second favorite own goal. It was in 1968. We've discussed this before. Gary Spray. Yes. Talking about, you know, we mentioned goalkeepers conceding own goals. Please do yourself a favour, everyone. Look at this goal. It is extraordinary. He was an international goalkeeper playing for Leeds, who were a very, very good team. And this is just worth looking at again and again, because it is quite incredible. If that happened on a Sunday morning, you'd be going mad. So this is the goal, because so obviously, in a, you're talking about the one where he throws it in his own net? Effectively, yeah, yes. Because obviously he, he kind of almost scored an own goal against Palace when John Sewell, I think Sewell's only goal for Palace, he sort of looped it up, maybe after yeah, a corner yeah, or something, yeah, yeah. and Sprit goes yeah, to sort of catch yeah. it, and it goes through his hands and goes in, which I think technically is John Sewell's goal. Oh, definitely. Well, yeah, I think that's but probably basically, goal. Because like, yeah. everyone thinks, oh, keeper's got this, and then suddenly it's in the back of the net, and John Sewell's in, like, yeah. oh my God, I've scored a goal. But the Gary yeah. Sprake one that you're talking about, and I can't remember who it's against, I remember my dad, obviously, would have been watching a lot of football at that time, Was at, I think it was at University of Liverpool, and was uh, going to Palace games when he could, talking over and over about this Gary Sprake own goal. Because he basically goes yeah. to throw it out as goalkeepers do sort of overarm throw gets yeah, it all yeah. wrong forgets to throw it let go of it exactly, and throws yeah. it behind him into the goal <laughs> and the camera sort of pans as if like, and then it's like where's yeah, the ball so gone, where's it gone? Go back it's, it's absolutely unbelievable and um it's one of those goals I remember my dad describing it to me and I, I never never got to see it back then because it wasn't on tv you know in the exactly. 90s or the 80s yeah. but then getting 
YouTube and looking it up for years later, it's as good, if not better, as my, my dad described it, which never happens with, with goals. Um, it's an incredible So, moment. yeah, I mean, it stemmed, it's not officially, obviously, it wasn't against us, but I do remember the John Sewell goal, which I think yeah. today would be down as an own goal. But because John Sewell only scored one goal for Palace, I think they gave it to him out of uh, sympathy. Yeah. But it is, you've got to see the Gary Sprague one where he just basically chucks it into his own. I mean, it would become a betting scandal now, wouldn't it? Because you'd think, well, he definitely did that on purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jesse, because I think we know what goal Richard has omitted there. I think people will probably be guessing. Deliberately. deliberately. And it is a very good one. Uh, Jesse, what, what own goals have you enjoyed Palace scoring? Yeah, so I found one that was just a little bit off... Uh, off the radar in terms of my recollection, but it was um, Wes Brown who generously kneed in a back heel from Fraser Campbell. Why do all my back heels? Why do all my own goals involve back heels? I don't know. But it was, um, yeah, it was a, a sort of goal mouth scramble classic that we've seen a million times at Selhurst. I think we had a header saved, palmed away by the keeper. Fraser Campbell back heals it and Wes, Wes Brown does that. Looks like that sort of wounded soldier as he just pile, piles into the six-yard box and just knees it past his own keeper. We lost that game 3-1. I think it was November 2014 and uh, it was a relegation scrap um, where they, I think Sunderland climbed out of the relegation zone, left us in it. And Yeah, there's a good little video we found on YouTube of that taken from the, from the Arthur Waite so I think you can put that on Twitter as well, Jim. Yeah, that's a. Uh, I remember that game actually. We lo- we did lose. I think uh, Stephen Fletcher got a couple as well, got one. And I remember everyone being incredibly depressed that losing to Sunderland uh, was not something we should be doing. Of course, a couple of years later, we lose to Sunderland by a much worse scoreline. It becomes a bit of a habit. <laughs> oh, please, please don't bring back that Palace, memory. Actually. That was my son's sixteenth birthday, oh, and that was his treat. No. me taking him to that game. At half time, he just looked at me and went, Dad, this isn't much of a birthday treat. <laughs> never let Palace, never trust Palace to give you a decent birthday present. Um, exactly right. Before we get on to, I think, the own goal we're all thinking about, can I give you a couple of suggestions? Like Jesse, goals that I think are kind of under the radar. Well, one isn't. One is Troy Deeney at Sellerst scoring the only goal of the game to give Palace a 1 0 win in what is a very hashtag typical Palace scenario. We actually had zero shots on target in that game and we still won 1-0 thanks to Deeney heading in a, fr- a Kabai free kick I think sort of nodded it in mm. at the near post actually a very good striker's finish um, that was very enjoyable for numerous reasons it was Watford it was Deeney <laughs> we needed the win I think it was uh, we did. F- yeah, definitely. 10 or 12 games into Sam's run and we big Sam's run needed the win and it did get us that, and it was in front of the Homesdale. So that was a very, very enjoyable own goal. Two others are from my youth, and I've had to sort of Google them. Um, and I'm not massively convinced uh, who scored either. One I am. One is Tony Mowbray, at home to Ipswich. And I think we, this would have been 99-2000, roughly. And uh, my memory is Fraser Digby, remember him, Richard, was in goal for us. Yeah, dude, he was at Swindon for a while. Yeah, Fraser Digby, well, yeah. left-footed goalkeeper. Booted downfield, someone, I want to say Matt Svensson, flicked on the header. And then the Ipswich keeper, possibly Richard Wright at the time, had come out for it. And Mowbray hadn't seen him, had gone to clear it, outstretched foot, 
got to it first, looped it over the keeper who had come out, and the ball bounced in the goal. So it didn't actually touch the floor from goalkeeper to goal um, as it went in. And I think that was the equaliser for us. I think it certainly earned us something in that game. So I remember that. I would have been sat in the family stand for that one. The other one, I think the season before, was at home to Birmingham. And I've searched everywhere on the internet for this, and I cannot find who scored this own goal. I think... It was a player called Martin Granger, who would have been a Birmingham mm-hmm. defender at the time. But the Palace player who instigated it was a young winger called Steve Evans, young Welsh winger out of the academy, who had high hopes but never actually... Uh, I think he might have gone to Scotland after that, or lower league at Palace. Um, never made it, unfortunately. But the ball whipped forward. It might have been his debut, because I think we'd, we'd, we were so desperate for players then at that point. It would have been when Dino was captain and we had no... Um, it was February '99, so no other players... I think Stephen Hunt had played for us in that game. Play, went on to play for Reading and uh, and do yeah. quite well. Anyway, the ball gets looped forward and Evans and the defender go for it. And the defender kicks it onto Evans or Evans kicks it onto him, I'm not sure. And it loops high over the goalkeeper and into the goal. And that was a 93rd minute equaliser. So I, re- I remember that. Wow. Uh, but there is something about looping own goals, isn't there? They're, they're good. Yeah. I mean, we haven't really, you know, we've talked about the classic Popovich scorpion kick before anyone else did a scorpion kick. But it's the looping own goal that's because you can see it coming. Yeah. And it's inevitable and you can't do it's, anything about it. There's something comical remember... about the goalkeeper being out of position and it's almost like Laurel yeah. and Hardy start looping over him. Oh, nothing I can I do remember Lee it. Dixon scoring one and he, he sort of turned and hid it without checking where the goalkeeper was. And I think it must have been yeah. seen. Yes. And it just sails sailing over the keeper's head is an expression that you don't hear apart from in an own goal situation. And there's another one, Jamie Pollock does one for Man City. And it's just absolutely beautiful. I mean, I am thinking of writing a book called Own Goal Nuggets. I think you should do. uh, I'm going to get you two involved in it because you obviously are masters of this The Pollock one was unbelievable because he flicks it over the defender. I mean, if if it was was an attacker, this is absolutely like deft over the defender and then heads it back to the keeper, but the keeper's come out and loops over the goalkeeper and that was the goal that sent them down to Division 2. I mean, he is hated in Manchester or one side of Manchester as a result for that. Anyway, look, we've we've discussed looping own goals. We've discussed Troy Deeney. Let's talk, Richard, about what I think we can all agree is probably the greatest own goal Palace have scored for them. And it was back in 2014 in front of the Homestale. And there was a certain Chelsea player nodding into his own net. He's certainly making his presence felt in this game here. There he is again. Now it's Ward with the cross. Yes, well, um, of course, famously, we hadn't beaten Chelsea in the Premier League up to this game. So this was in uh, March 2014 in our first season. We were doing all right, but Chelsea, I will remind you, were top of the league at the time. And uh, it was a Mourinho uh, team. Now, there are various aspects. We could have a whole pod on this particular own goal. But the, the beautiful things I remember... There is a brilliant picture of this own goal. If you if you just look at the picture, not let alone the video of it, and 
basically it was a cross by Joel, I think. And Joe Ledley, for some reason, was on the near post. I don't know what he was doing there. Maybe he was picking up a bag of potatoes or something. But he was very rarely at the Mm. near post. And John Terry has beaten him to the ball. But the best expression, again, a bit like the Julian Speroni one, is Czech, who is, again, open-mouthed and thinking, oh, my God, what has he done? And it's Terry's in that classic Terry position where he's got to the ball and you can just see the ball is arcing, looping into the own net. And I also remember this game very clearly because Mourinho was, was actually very gracious and he said Palace deserved it, which we did. I remember Cameron Jerome worked his arse off. He worked his, he, he covered an amazing amount of, he wasn't a brilliant player. And we know he was a trier, but he tried so hard. And he actually hit the post in this game. But the Terry own goal, and I, I will always, I'm actually thinking of claiming something back from Sean Terry, because we went so mad that I was wearing sunglasses. It was a really sunny day, and my sunglasses broke in the moment of celebrating John Terry's own goal. And, you know, the arm fell off, and I just went, that was probably worth it for that moment. And, you know... Then we had the chance, scoring goals for Palace, John Terry, which is, again, one of my favourite chants. And if you do remember, and I'm I'm sorry to mention this because I know Andy Street will probably be shouting, with about two minutes to go, Stuart O'Keefe played possibly one of the worst back (laughs) passes I've ever seen, straight to Fernando Torres, who, let's face it, was quite a good striker. And Fernando Torres did not score. Somehow he didn't score. I think Jules might have got a touch to it, but it was horrible because we thought, we're holding on, we're holding on, and then didn't. But no, the other thing I remember about this, remember the ball boy? When he didn't yes. give the ball back and he just sort of let it slip. And Asper Laqueta went crazy and Mourinho actually ran out of his dugout and berated the ball boy who was looking up innocently and remember, this was the season after the Swansea ball boy incident yeah. when he got sent to Chelsea. Was it Hazard? Got sent off for attacking the ball boy because he was sort of smuggling the ball under his tummy. Um, and Mourinho referenced it in his post-match comments and saying, I, I, they fully deserved the wing. They showed more commitment. They showed more spirit. They were the better team. But I have to say the ball boy, don't do this. <laughs> so... <laughs> There you go. I mean, that, that in a nutshell is why that is one of the greatest own goals I will ever see. And thanks, John Terry. And it was, it was very early. It was 52nd minute. So we had another, you know, almost the whole second half to hold out. But we did. Did that ball boy um, play for Palace in the end? Yeah, I think he's the one, isn't he? He came, he's, yeah, I think he might have come on. I'm Googling to try and find his name, a... but I can't actually find his name anywhere. But I think he did end up playing, working his way through the academy and possibly playing for Palace. So, um... But I love that innocent expression. He's going, what, what have I done wrong? <laughs> what have I done? And also, I'll tell you a little story and then I'll shut up. So going on. I remember before a West, West Brom at home game, I was in... Uh, in a bar, and they, I, I overheard someone giving instructions to the ball boys, who was obviously a Palace guy, and he was saying, now, if we're leading with 10 minutes to go, be very slow at how you return the ball. Excellent. However, if 
we're behind, get it back as quickly as possible. I think that's brilliant. That is ball boy tactics to a T. I'm very much on board with that. Um, Jesse, I actually, much like the Popovich goal, I actually missed this goal again. Because I was on a stag Jim, do. You're not really a fan, are you? You don't have a go to the game. <sighs> I was at my best mate stag do <laughs> that weekend, right, okay. um, who Fair is enough. a Charlton fan. So obviously oh. wasn't didn't care that Palace were playing. Uh, probably didn't care that Charlton were playing either, to be honest. Let's face it, most Charlton fans aren't that bothered. Um, hence why I organised my stag for off-season. This is what you've got to do, people. You can't have it clashing with football. Um, but I, uh, this goal had everything. In fact, it also got me... One of the biggest laughs I've ever got on stage, which, let's face it, that's, there's not a big uh, list to choose from uh, in that regard. Um, I somehow got asked to present the Gold of the Season Award at the end of that season for uh, the Palace at the Fairfield Halls, at the Palace Awards. And I thought it was too obvious an opportunity not to announce that the winner of Gold of the Season was John Terry. And he got a big laugh. I'll never forget Keith Millen's face. He absolutely pissed himself. Uh, unfortunately, Dwight Gale, who actually won wasn't that happy because I think I may have stolen his limelight a little bit. Um, but Jesse, this goal had everything because not only was it against Chelsea, as Richard said, who were champions uh, and, we won, and we won. It was They weren't champions. They were... Oh, they were uh, about to be champions, the... weren't they? They, they were... The... No, no, they didn't win it. That was the Man City. Oh, City won um, it. No, they were, they were league leaders. League they leaders. were league leaders. Yeah. Um, but also it had, you know, it had a villain. It had a classic... We're talking about sort of the football narrative. A classic villain scoring the own goals. It was almost like footballing justice all in one moment. I mean, you can't really get much better than that. I think Richard's summed up great to a T with that, even the song as well, scoring goals for Palace, John Terry, that was ringing out of the homestyle as we left the stadium. It's brilliant. Um, it was made a little bit sweeter for me because my brother-in-law was their undercover Chelsea fan in the homestyle and we went to the red and blue bar at the top for a celebratory Bratery drink and he was just shook he couldn't believe it had happened uh, and that was just great to see his face whilst we were all celebrating um, I remember Wardy that day I think that was on, in an attacking sense I think that was Wardy's best ever game I ever saw from, from him because he was marauding um, I'd like to watch the whole game again because there was a couple of times where he just put it past people and ran past them he was just it was unbelievable At I think Pulis had, as well yeah, he needed. Yeah, he drug- was left out, yeah. And he should have been drug tested after that game because <laughs> he he was playing out of his skin. And as you say, he put whips that ball in for for Terry. And the, there's an amazing still photograph of Terry with his head in his hands yeah. on the floor. Yeah, with punch. Oh, yeah, God. with punching at the back posts, just celebrating. <laughs> so that you should dig that picture up for uh, this pod as well because that is just a glorious. Um, way to remember it, it yeah. A- I, I lo- and it, it was a beautiful sunny day, and I think we were just starting to peel away from the relegation zone at that point. Yeah. Um, and then we know Kristen Ball happened not long after that. It was just the beginning yeah. of a really sunny, positive end to the season. And I'll always remember that period for just a real feel-good factor after such a dismal beginning to the season. It was great. I mean, thankfully, I was there for Kristan Ball, having also missed then the next home game, uh, which I think was Villa at home, another win, uh, because of the wedding from the subsequent uh, stag do. So um, not great for me in terms of appearances. But um, as you said, Jesse, Palace had hit their stride. I think that's when we started to believe, oh, actually, we're going to stay up, which obviously at the start of the season would have seemed crazy. Um, Richard, the ball boy, was 
a young man called David Boateng, who now is a regular in Palace's under-23s. I believe he plays right-back or can play right-back um, and is very highly rated. So there you go. We might wow. see this pool boy potentially play for Palace one, one day. So how old is he now? He's 19, I think. Yeah, 19. So he's 19. So this was 24. So six. Yeah, he'd have been 13. That's about right, isn't it? Because he, he, yeah, obviously ball boys, you don't get old ball boys. They're, they're young boys. And I, I just used, I still think about his face, his innocent expression. It's just <laughs> wonderful. Actually, yeah. And Mourinho raging at him. <laughs> but Mourinho then said, I was trying to help because they said, you shouldn't really be having a go at a 13-year-old ball boy. He said, I was stopping him being assaulted by Aspen Laqueta. <laughs> Rubbish. Rubbish. There's a photo <laughs> here, actually. I've got the exact photo. And he's wagging his finger at Bertang. And the expression on the kid's face is like, what? What have I done? Yeah, it's exactly. absolutely yeah. brilliant. Um, although I think Mourinho actually does like the dark arts of football like that. I think he actually probably does appreciate it. Sort of un- and he does like Palace, to be fair to him. I'm, I'm not a massive Mourinho fan, but he's always said that Palace have got the best atmosphere. I know everyone says that, and it's true, but he's always said, you know, I wish we had fans like this. And that, for me, is full respect. Well, he's right as well, because Chelsea fans are terrible. Um, guys, it's been wonderful going down uh, memory lane with you and uh, reliving some of these own goals. We're going to put uh, links, YouTube links, as many as we can find on a Twitter thread, maybe even put it on the website as well. Uh, and of course, if we've missed any great own goals, pile in on that Twitter thread, uh, let us know, or you can email us contact at fypfanzine.uk. And if you've got any particular memories or stories around own goals, let us know and maybe we'll try and read them out in a future episode of Pardew's Hot Pants. But for now, it just leaves me to say thank you, Richard Foster. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you, Jim. Um, yeah, as I say, I'm going up to Edinburgh to watch your show. Oh, oh, you'll probably have it. a better experience, but, actually. But I'm still going to Edinburgh, and um, I'm looking forward to that for a, a few days, and then uh, racing back for our next, next Pardew Hot Pants. Indeed. Uh, and Jesse Boyce, always good uh, to share your company. Well, it's lovely to talk to you in a more relaxed setting rather than uh, running from one side of London to the other to get a camper van. <laughs> So uh, I love the jeopardy of it. Let's do more pods like this and less like that. And how was the camper van? Was it was it good? Um, yeah, it was a bit like if I had to compare it to a Palace player, it would be uh, sort of it was solid. It had a good engine. Yeah, it it, it didn't need refueling at all on on a long journey down the A three O three. I would equate it with. Um, James yeah, MacArthur. let's just say it's James MacArthur of, of Camper Vance. Were you, you off to Cornwall, Jesse, were you? you were down, down to Dorset, yeah, yeah, last weekend. Yeah, well, I had one hour spare um, in the day to do the pod, right. so I timed it with that Uber journey to get, and it worked, it worked out perfectly. Right. The timing was amazing. Right at the end of the pod, you got out and we got to see the Camper Van. And never let anyone say that we won't let anything get in the way of us recording FYP podcast. Anything for you, Jim. Anything for you. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, guys, it's been great chatting to you. And thank you to our listeners uh, for listening as well. We hope you're enjoying your off-season. I know it's a very quick one this summer. We're back in a couple of weeks with another Pardew's Hot Pants. Um, and then the main pod will start up again once the season gets going. But uh, in the meantime, enjoy your summer. And we'll see you again soon. Yeah! Much better time than what finds
Sports Social Podcast Network.